Experience modification rate. What is it? Why is it important? And how can you have impact upon it? Hello, and thank you for joining us today. My name is Joe White, and I'm the host of Supervisor Skills Secrets of Success. The SOS podcast series is produced for the ongoing development of frontline managers. With each episode, we take on topics of interest and interview subject matter experts for the benefit of our listeners. In today's episode, we're going to talk about experience modification rates. It's an important calculation used in workers' compensation, and hopefully it'll be a a subject you'll be able to benefit from. My guest today is Crystal Jones, a senior underwriter for the American Equity Underwriters. Crystal's been with AU about 10 years and is a graduate of South Alabama University. Welcome, Crystal, and thank you for joining us today. Hi. Nice to be here. Good. Um, Crystal, if you would, just take a few moments, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do at AEU. My name is Crystal Jones. I work at American Equity Underwriter, where I am a senior state act underwriter. That means that um, while there's the uh, marine side, the USLNH side, I work on the land-based side, where I work with all 50 states and learn their jurisdictions, their um, regulations. So I work with the land. And then on my um, personal side, I'm a member of the Junior League, where I'll be the editor of the magazine this year. Wow. And I um, and I like true crime on the side. Thank you for allowing me to be here today, and I hope the session goes well. Great. Thank you. You know, today's topic in general is around workers' compensation. And I know in my background, I've spent a lot of years in safety and the term experience modification rate, or EMOD, or as some call it, an EMR, has periodically come up. Um, I know I never, again, being in, in safety, I knew it was there, I knew it was important, but I really never understood what the term meant. And so I'm going to have to assume that some of our listeners are in that same camp. If you would, take just a moment and just give us a, a brief overview so we can have a good, solid understanding of what an experience modification rate is. Okay. Well, experience mods are designed to show each entity's individual loss potential. So let me break that down. Um, NCCI, or the State Bureau, takes an entity's payroll and the loss data of that employer. Then that information is analyzed over a period of time, which is usually about three years. Then that information is compared to groups of risks that are similar to a person's business. So risks that basically are around the same type of um, comparison to that person's uh, type of risk. So if they're shipbuilders, they'll compare them to other shipbuilders. Then they calculate that experience rate that you receive. So... Basically, when it comes down to it, your experience mod is based off of your payroll and your loss data. Okay. And as I think about the variable, obviously, payroll can vary, but in in particular, the, the focus, the interest that we're going to be looking at today, it's really around that loss data, and that would come in the form of injuries and work-related illnesses that you might have. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So with that understanding, suddenly this is something that as a supervisor, manager, I have to understand I can have influence or impact upon 
an experience modification rate. So before we um, yes. go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was just saying, yes, you can. Okay. Before we really dive into that a little bit deeper, one question I have, and, and again, I've never owned a company, but considering I'm a contractor or I'm in maritime or mining, I know there's a lot of different industries that we particularly serve. Is workers' compensation, and it, is it a discretionary expense or as an employer, is it something I'm, re- I'm required to have? That's a great question, and the answer varies depending on the state, actually. Okay. So it's usually yes, as most states require employees to purchase coverage, but I would check with your Department of Labor to verify your state's requirements. Okay. I would like to state, though, that if you have employees and you fall below that required amount for coverage in your state, that doesn't mean that if something happens while you're on the job, you're not liable for the employee's injury. Okay. This kind of incident can be detrimental to a small business. Right. So it's encouraged to also purchase a work comp policy for all your employees. Okay. All right. Uh, that, that helps. The next question that I have, and it's really related, again, to, to helping me understand and get a handle on workers' compensation If I go to any of the big box hardware stores today and I decide that I want to buy two-by-fours or I want to buy a sheet of plywood, I'm going to probably pay within pennies across the board wherever I go. I'm going to probably pay about the same amount of money for that piece of material. With workers' compensation, does does everyone pay the same price for the same coverage? In other words, if I have 150 employees, does it cost me the same amount of money as my competitor that has the same exact amount of employees, or are there variables? No, you're, there are variables. So, okay. no. Um, NCCI annually reviews the medical losses caused by claims in okay. each state. So, once again, we're looking at claims. So each state um, that reviews their claims each also has different rates. Okay. So, but each, I'm sorry, um, but Florida is unique. They're the only one. Um, it requires all carriers to charge the same manual rates for coverage, making it the only non-monopolistic state that requires set rates for insurance companies. Okay, I was not aware of that. Okay, so Florida's the only one, though. Yes, Florida is. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, so if companies if companies do pay or they can pay different rates, that can have a huge impact on the cost of you doing business and what you ultimately have to charge your clients. So it becomes a very important measure. That's correct. So that leads to the next question. If rates vary... What can, what can a company do to drive down those rates for workers' compensation? I mean, what are some examples of things they can do? Well, it really comes down to claims and loss prevention. I would work with your insurance provider to see what benefits they provide to help assist in guiding and directing you to help prevent future accidents. Have an expert safety director in place and surround yourself with employees that make safety a priority. Okay. 
Yeah, that's that's definitely good advice. I know again in in my in the past roles that I've I've had, workers' compensation was an area where I had responsibility. And although the company that I worked for was self-employed, we still managed our workers' comp through a third-party company. And um, you know, there's just so much around workers' compensation that I never really knew or understood. But but there are a lot of variables. And for example, if you can get someone back to work or put them on light duty or restricted duty, in many cases, that can benefit or help you. And I know that's not always possible, uh, but again, there's a lot of things that you you can work with your insurer to uh, to put in place that would, would certainly help you. Yes, that is correct. As a business owner, if I own a construction company or own a, a, a stevedoring operation, you know, what we've talked about so far is that the cost of doing business, what it's going to cost me to insure my workforce, particularly through workers' compensation, you know, that obviously it can it can vary in, in many cases very significantly. So I, I understand it's very important to the owner, to those that, that are at the executive level. Now, I want to take the discussion down now to the supervisor or to the manager. As a supervisor, manager, uh, a foreman, you know, what are some of the things that I can do? What are some of the things that I can do that would help improve the workers' compensation and ultimately my experience modification rate? Okay. Well, just continuing on with what we just talked about, you have loss prevention, um, modified duty programs, treating employees with respect and showing um, that you care about them, which what I mean with that is if they have a claim that occurs, go with them to the hospital okay. or to the medical center. Check up uh, with them once they're at home recovering to see how they're doing so that they know that you care about them and their recovery. Right. And then reviewing near misses to engineer out potential claims. Okay. Um, and then finally... It's also important to discuss with your upper management to have to make sure that they have a strong commitment to safety, and that commitment is communicated to job supervisors. Okay. In other words, employees need to know safety is important to their supervisors, the management, and the company overall in order for them to take pride in making safety a personal commitment. Okay. And as I think about I think about this systematically and in, in the things that, for example, you'd mentioned earlier, loss control or loss prevention, you know, some of the things that would come to mind in addition to the points that you've raised here is obviously prevention. You want to prevent the incident from a, from happening on the from the onset, and that's very important. Um, early reporting of injuries, and and I know, and and again, my past experience. One of the things that always would creep up is you would have an employee that would, would come in one morning and they'd say, hey, I've got this ache in my back or I've got a knee that's hurting. And you start asking questions and you find out they've been working with that soreness, that ailment, that pain for months. And, and again, you want to avoid that because that's something obviously that, that has a huge impact on the sort of treatment that may follow in the, in the cost of that treatment. Exactly. Um, you not only have a source of treatment that may cost more for that, but you also, on a business side, may have fees and fines 
for reporting late with workers' compensation. Wow. So you're doubly hit, and you want to make sure that you take care of that as early as possible. Okay, that that's great. So the only other thing that I can, again, add to this would be, and we mentioned earlier, was allowing employees to return under some sort of restriction or, or modified in modified duties, and uh, then injury management. And you certainly said that, going to the hospital with the individual, talking to the doctor about what's available so that they don't just write them out of work, that they say, oh, you do have modified duties. You can adjust the the daily scope of work the employees uh, being asked to uh, perform. All of those things can help drive down the cost of that, that injury. And obviously, taking care of the employees got to be at the forefront of that and treating them with respect. And again, I think you, you nailed that. Yes, exactly. Another question I have is is around experience mod or emods or experience modification rates. When I was in my in a previous role, I had in in many instances I would be part of a group that would be putting together scope of work for contractors. We would take in the bid packages that we would receive, and one of the first things we would do would be to sort those that had emods higher than one. And in the in the instance that I'm talking about, if you had an EMOD higher than one, you didn't work on our site. We You didn't qualify to work on our site. So with that said, it's again, it's a very important number. So I'm going to ask you, what does that number mean? What is a one, for example, with if you have an EMOD of one, what does that mean? The one is the median. So it's the middle number for mod, the modification factor. All companies start with the one at the beginning before any credits or debits are applied. So many companies may not even have an EMOD factor in place for a number of reasons, and they would also be assigned a one at the time. So until they have enough data to to generate an EMOD for a debit or credit, they would be assigned a one. Okay. And and correct me if I'm wrong, if the the one that median that average number which represents your average in your industry does it vary by sector for example if i do steel erection or if i do civil work or if i you know just highway um construction am i grouped within my sic payroll or how does that work i just want to make sure i fully understand that well as i said before whenever you, whenever NCCI is reviewing your losses and your data, it is then compared to industries that are like in order to um, to get your to get to review your um, rate. Okay. So it is compared to like industries, but uh, so it can result in a one or the debits and credits can push it one way or the other. So it is compared to other like industries. Okay. All right. That helps. But the the big point I want to make out of this, and especially to our listener, which is usually a supervisor or manager, is that if you really want to try to position your company for success and to make it as competitive as possible within your industry, that EMOD is very important. Because if you have a number, if your EMOD is higher than one, you're going to find out that there are a lot of employers, particularly in high hazard Government facilities, um, I know Petrochem, um, a lot of the utilities, if your EMOD is higher than one, 
you're not going to qualify to work in a lot of those plants or those industries. So it's it's important you recognize and understand that. Yes. Okay. Um, I did want to mention though that unfortunately, a lot of times, um, well, not a lot of times, occasionally you may see a business that um, works with a company or a or an insurance industry that is in, with non-affiliated data, okay. and sometimes it does occur that they may have a portion of their insurance with non-affiliated and a portion of their insurance with affiliated. Right. In, in a situation such as um, our industry, which is American Equity Underwriters, we have a mutual, which is the USLNH, and our state act is with um, with a normal um, companies such as um, um, PMA or with Great American. Okay. And a situation may occur where the mutual insurance is not reported it's to the to, to the, Depart- the Department of Labor. Okay. And so um, on the EMOD, you only see the clerical and sales. And after a couple of years of reporting, you may see um, the prior companies uh, reporting on the EMOD, and then you start to see the State Act only, and the EMOD went up. Okay. And unfortunately, um, their EMOD spiked, and the company's bidding with that EMOD didn't want to take their experience whenever they actually had clean across the board with wow. us. And so I you know, want to encourage whenever people are looking at bids to not just take that EMOD as consideration, to also potentially whenever, you know, they have a situation like that where it's two policies that they have on board to possibly may, you know, look at a letter from the insurance carrier stating they actually have a clean record, you know, their EMOD is actually, you know, this because we have a way of running it to possibly, you know, show something different. So, um, you know, maybe take a letter from the insurance carrier as well instead of just that EMOD for their, you know, for their bids because it wasn't fair to them to see that EMOD with just the clerical sales whenever there was much more coverage in place under the USLNH policy. And that does, doesn't just happen with, with USLNH. There's other companies out there that have non-affiliated, you know, data um, with um, mutual companies where that happens. So, you know, I want to just say that that can happen in the industry. Yeah. So just make sure that, you know, I wanted to put that out there. That's a great point. And I, I really, again, I appreciate you saying that because it, most often we're speaking or at least trying to, to help and benefit those that would be on the um, user side and not necessarily the vendor or the, the consumer side. So that's a great point. And I, 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 I really appreciate you bringing that up. To take this one step further, and we've got a little bit more time here, but to take this one step further, when I think about EMODs, and again, if I'm an owner, and it is obviously a very important number, how long does it usually take to to see a, a change in that number? If I, for example, if if this year I've had several really serious injuries and I know that it's going to go up, how long does it take for that that EMOD to really start to, to move and to adjust? Is it one year, two years? What What's the number? That's another great question. Um, and first, let's say that in order to generate an EMOD, you must have three years of data, 
with premium over $5,000. Okay. One year over $10,000 in premium or a claim on an account. Okay. So any of those would trigger the beginning of an EMOD. But if your premium is below $5,000, you may never see an EMOD on your account. Wow. Yeah. So I just want to state that if you don't have an EMOD now, it's probably because of one of those situations. Okay. Okay. If if I, let's say mine's a little higher than one, and, and, and I know I've had a couple within the last year, I've had a couple really bad injuries, very expensive um, in terms of, of payment processing and getting the employee back to health. Will that go away in a year? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So let's say that you, yeah, like you said, you have an EMOD in place. You've made improvements over the last year and your year is 2021 to 2022 with no claims. Okay. And you're hoping to see a lower rate in your EMOD. Um, that information won't show up until the 2023-2024 EMOD. Yikes. So, exactly. So, you have to start making changes now in order to see improvements in the future. Uh, that's, that's, and I'm glad you mentioned that because when we think about frustrations that owners have, you know, we, we've, sometimes we'll talk about safety in, in terms of climate versus culture. I can go into a room and turn a light switch on or off, and I can immediately affect the climate. But changing the culture is far, it takes more time. It's like cha- changing the temperature in the room. And when companies start this journey and they really become focused and they're, they realize the, the value and importance of an experience modification rate, in many instances, you have to know and understand that it's a journey and it's a cultural thing. You can't go out in one month and say, oh, we're going to fix everything because I just learned the value of this and suddenly it's going to go away. It doesn't happen like that. So I wanted to make sure that was very clear that it, it can take up to three years for this thing to really to you know become at, at the levels that you want from the work that you're doing today. Exactly. It is a process, but it is a process that can make a difference. That's awesome. Well, Crystal, thank you. And and I think one of the things that you'd point out earlier, and, and I just want to reiterate this, work with your insurer. Most insurance companies have plenty of resources. If you're showing interest and you really want to try and drive these numbers down, you want to get better at managing injuries, preventing them, there's all sorts of resources that are available. So again, I, I think this has been uh, a very, very, very much needed topic, and I greatly appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. Sure. Uh, Contact information for Crystal is available in the show notes for this episode. Uh, For those that are listening, I hope you found this discussion of value and benefit. If so, please help us spread the word. Share the podcast with others that you know of that may have interest. In addition, we welcome any feedback you may have and would encourage you to review and rate us wherever wherever you access your podcast. The SOS Podcast Series is brought to you by AEU Lead a consultancy dedicated to the needs of frontline managers. For additional information or to follow us on social media, please use the links in the show notes provided. That's it for now. Stay safe and thanks for listening.